And we're live with episode number 30 of the Coffee and Codecast, live from Seattle's Pioneer Square District. This is the Coffee and Codecast, a weekly live stream tech podcast where we talk about neither coffee or code. I'm Kyle Johnson. And I'm Mike Sheehan. That's a real, that's a real bottle opener there. That's no sound effect. <laughs> I got a sound effect for you. Oh, that one's so quiet. It's so quiet. This is up, up close and personal. This is episode number 30. Oh my God, man. Number 30. Can you believe it? 30. I think we've wrapped up 10 of those in the past, what, Month months? and a half? Couple yeah. months? Well done. Wow. It's fun to be here to celebrate. We're going to look back a little bit on the last 30 episodes and where we started out, where we came from, and where we are now today, and maybe a little sneak peek into what we want to do going forward. Um other than that, I don't know. It's going to be kind of a typical show. We'll cover some news and current events and some, uh, you know, whatever the fuck we feel like because it's our 30th show. So I think we should uh, talk about whatever the hell we want to for a little bit. Yeah, I think we just wanted to start out the episode talking a little bit about where it was we started because this was started, uh, what, about a year and a half ago and we just wanted to start talking publicly, making, uh, as I stumble over my words here, making better conversation, learn how to speak better in public. More clearly, concisely. It, right. It was a personal growth project more than it was anything else. I don't think we were looking for listeners or really even knew how long it would go on. We just thought we would give it a try. And I think you even pitched it to me when I came back to Seattle to visit from San Francisco. Uh, one, at one point, you said, you know, let's just try it out and see what happens. And, you know, if you don't want to do it, we don't want to do it. We'll just scrap it. But we'll put a couple things out there and give it a try. Yeah, it was just a random... What do you think about doing a podcast? I yeah. think you were just like, oh, oh, the hell is this guy fuck, talking about? <laughs> dude, I was a little nervous about that. Like, you know, uh, what? Yeah. Put shit online? And I was like, well, you know, we can just kind of rap about some stuff, talk about technology stuff. Keeping keep in contact was the main thing because you're moving to San Francisco. So, yeah, it was uh, something that we just kind of whipped together. We had some cheap microphones that we used, cheap equipment. We made the best we could make it. But uh, looking back, there's some pretty bad... Pretty bad audio quality that we got going at the beginning. It was pretty damn rough. The first episode, it was October 25th, 2017. So Is that when it was? 2017? Yep. About 18 wow. months ago. November, December, January, February, March, April. Yeah. About 18 months ago. Not quite. And, uh, well, what the hell? It'd be fun to like kind of go back and play a little bit, huh? Let's relive a quick segment here. What should I do? I'll pop this on real quick. This is the mic check episode. This is the episode zero, really. I guess this would be yeah, episode didn't have a number, really. But it was the mic check. Let's let's tune in here. So I'll just take these two tracks and mix them kind of like what I just did. And we'll see what it sounds oh like. Oh, God, it's bad. That sounds oh boy, awful. I'm nervous. I have to listen to it. <laughs> it uh, you know, like, I used to think that, too. I guess I still don't necessarily like to hear myself, but it doesn't bother me as much. Still don't like I feel to hear like myself. you kind of get over that pretty quick. Good. Yeah. Well, that should be good after the first time or two. Sounds and, like I'm in a, a tunnel. Corrections. He's still down like you're in a tunnel sometimes. Yeah, got to talk slow and so do think I. about what a lot you're of saying echo. instead of just being uh and uh. <laughs> <Burr>. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> there was a, a guy doing this All right. <laughs> webcast. That's enough of that. Can we delete that one off that's, of there? Yeah, right. There's got to be some point in time where we can just sit that the moratorium on storing these things online passes and we can just start purging old episodes. Maybe, maybe. I mean, the way we're moving on, what do we, what did we say? 12 up, 12 episodes and. Well, yeah, I think that we started doing this weekly thing sometime in January. 
Let's look back here. 22, 21, 20. We did. So we had a gap. So 20 was in October. So we are 20th uh, a year later, about, right? Did nothing until December. Took some time off. And then that was December 7th. And then the 22nd one was January 26th. So we did two episodes from three episodes from October 9th to January 26th. And then starting Valentine's Day, how cute. Oh, I didn't know this. Valentine's Day was when we talked to the erotic photo hunt. <laughs> of course we did. How how significant. Okay. It's that, like a running bit now, the erotic photo hunt. Yeah. I love it. So that's when it was. We we started on the on Valentine's Day and then since then we've hit a streak of seven in a row. We yeah, we've been we've been on it. And the cool thing about this is that the listenership is going up. We can see that through statistics. We know people are there. So people, people be tuning are, in. Yeah, exactly. So here we are with our big radio voices. Right. Yeah, exactly. I got to do my stretch the old vocals there. And you got to keep it. You got to keep projecting forward. I've heard some complaints. Yeah. Do I turn too much? I kind of. No, nah, you start off strong and then you can. Oh, say, oh, that was really good. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Sorry about that. <laughs> to all our listeners in Iowa. There you go. Yeah. Very good. Well, I think it's fun to look back. And see where we came from because we we have grown a bit in in the, those last eighteen months, and we're having a lot more fun with it now. I think, and we've got a direction that we're taking it, and it's a lot more natural. We have a pretty pretty clear format, whereas before it was kind of a lot of us just jibber jabbering about whatever we were dealing with at the, the time, which we still do. But I think we kind of try and keep it in the context of tech news and or business, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, try to be topical about it. And we've been doing a lot of work. This is maybe part of the future, but putting a lot of work into our guest format that we want to have on future episodes, have a list of guests we want to have on and starting to develop some questions that we want to ask. So we're trying to make it uh, a little more interesting than just the two of us still get the great banter between the two of us, but then sprinkle in a little guest uh, knowledge in the middle there. Yeah, exactly. So I think we have already a number of guests that we've talked about that we think would be interesting. Um, we just got to kind of get those in the queue, get them, get them ready to go and let you guys know when they're going to happen. Get them scheduled. Yeah. And get them committed. Like you got to cuff them. There is that. You got to cuff them because you got people like Rain that uh, just get a little nervous behind the microphone sometimes. Yeah. For such a, such an outspoken guy. That's how I felt about it. I said, yeah, for a guy who has so much to say. Right. We give them an opportunity to say it in front of our live audience and uh, <laughs> clams up. Then he kind of clams up. That's okay. We love rain. It's fine. We'll get him on here at some point, but uh, we don't know when that'll happen. Well, cheers, buddy, to 30. Here's cheers. 30 more. 30 Boom. more. Wow. We got to come back to episode 60. Hang on. Drink break. Yeah, at episode 60, we'll be returning back to episode 30. And saying, oh, my God. Look how amateur these fuckers yeah. were at episode 30. What were they thinking? <laughs> they had they had those cheap microphones that were only 500 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell not. everybody our secrets. <laughs> I hope yeah. not. I don't want to. Well, by that time, we're going to have video gear here. Mike, Mike's got really high ambitions for the show, you guys. Like, he wants, he wants video, multiple angle video. Yes. Yeah. So the board that we just procured that gives you this beautiful sound quality that is not going to be good enough soon we're going to have to upgrade from that i think that board will be fine but we're going to add to it oh 
Okay. We're going to add a video board. That video mixer will be a separate piece just for the uh, GoPro cameras or whatever the hell we get. So the Coffee Code cast will be looking for a producer here very soon. We uh, kind of do. We do need to have... Bully didn't want to do it. Hmm. We might have to ask him again. Maybe if we're a little more popular and have a few more subscribers, Joseph will reconsider. Yeah. Well, as long as he can filter out the ridiculous crap in the chat room there, then maybe we'd be all right. Yeah. 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 That gets a little busy sometimes. I see Gomer. Gomer Pile 89 back on like three weeks in a row, at least. Consistency. Pretty consistent. Yeah. That's awesome. Welcome back. Oh, that's what that's the bump in ratings there. He said, I got 100 virtual machines op- operating and listening to the show right now. Uh, he's got robots listening to our... God damn to it. our cast. But yeah, like that, I think that's kind of the vision that I have uh, going forward, really. It's a, become an, uh, uh, a mission to get better and learn and use other medium and uh, expand. So bringing guests on, I think, is the first priority because there's only so many things we can talk about. And everybody, a lot of the successful ones, they have. Oh, did that come in that way? Feel dinger. Sorry about the ding there. <laughs> we use the iPad to play back episode one, and um, I'm getting text messages on there right now. So. <laughs> Sorry about that. Some technical difficulties work through there. Um, no, what I was trying to say is that this has been more now that we've gotten comfortable with, with this whole process, and we've gotten some new equipment, and we know how to record a little bit better than we did before. Uh, it's about what can we do next. And I think YouTube, I love YouTube. I'm on there all the damn time, and I, I watch a lot of people on YouTube and subscribe and, um, you know, Joe Rogan experience, huge, massive following, massive, massive following. But they have a very simple setup. I think they have a couple camera angles and you can watch it live there or you can listen to the podcast later. It's like three and a half hours long. But that's where I want to go next. I want to get some equipment in here, some video equipment and make it more of a studio uh, maybe even find a studio space. I don't know. There's talk of maybe uh, the company having a dedicated space upstairs later on for other purposes, but it'd be cool to have our own spot and then people could see us on YouTube and, uh, also listen in their cars or while they're traveling on the bus or whatever. I was going to bring up the Joe Rogan experience cause we have a lot of the same gear or very similar gear to what he has. Obviously his studio looks very nice because Excuse me. They are recording, you know, uh, via video and multiple angles and all that sort of thing. They also have a producer, but uh, biggest problem I see here, and, and I think it was called out by one of our uh, managers, is that uh, we have faces for radio. Oh, that was, I think that was geared towards me, and it was, fucking Brad said that. I'm so hurt. <laughs> I'm so hurt. Well, I mean, there may be truth in that. There might be truth to that. I don't know. He did apologize. I'll tell you later on, I got an email from him. He was on the sounder going home. He, he takes the sounder down south to get home. And he, uh, he sent me an email and he goes, Mike, I just want you to know that I was teasing. You're, <laughs> you're a very handsome young man. And uh, I hope your feelings weren't hurt. You do great work Aww. for us, too. Yeah, he's Brad's very he's got a sensitive side like that, too. That was very sweet of him, too. Very sweet. Yeah. I don't know if I believe that I... Uh, you know what he said, but whatever. No, he's very, very kind man that way. Good boss. Good yeah. boss to have. Well, right on, man. Well, should we move on to a quick bit of follow-up here? Wow, let's do it. Let's yep. do it. Well, we've talked a number of times here on the show about Apple. We talk a lot about Apple. Well, I, we have almost all their products over here. So <laughs> Sitting on this table. <laughs> In front of us right yeah. now, before our eyes. Yeah. So uh, we've talked a number of times about Apple AirPower. I don't think we've talked about it in great detail, but we've kind of mentioned it in passing. Um, Apple AirPower is the 
kind of Qi charging or wireless charging mat that they announced. How long ago was that? Year and a half? At least, right? The rumor mill has been churning on this thing forever. And then there started to, images started to appear probably about that time ago of what it could look like or what it might look like. And then Apple eventually had their own marketing materials, right? Showing this product, what it could look like. Well, and it even showed up. It's on the back of the Apple AirPod 2. So when you buy the product itself on the packaging, if you flip it over and look at it underneath the actual AirPod case, because the new AirPods are wireless charging. So the new AirPod case uh, underneath there, there is a wireless uh, air power mat charging the device or seemingly charging the device. But it's funny because immediately after releasing that product, they they scrubbed this particular product, the air power mat, due to what Apple considers, uh, what did they say? Like, doesn't meet their standards. Physics. Physics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was their response was that we couldn't uh, get a product that met all of our requirements for quality. And there was a lot of issues with the physics, <laughs> frankly. That was, the, that was the real underlying issue. Um, heat, right, is, being, is the main issue. So they, to be able to charge multiple devices on this mat, you're going to generate a lot of heat, um, probably with, with uh, like exceeding safe levels for your phone. So I don't know that it, the damn thing was catching on fire necessarily, but it probably was just causing more heat than would be um, within the accepted range of what an iPhone should be or... Or could be damaging the mat itself, potentially, right? Like you could, the components, internal components of the mat. That's right. Yeah. So for a number of factors, they couldn't get the components to work within the threshold they wanted them to and just gave up on it. I also think, too, we talked about this before, that there's other competitors out there. Maybe without, I don't know anybody that does the mat quite like this with multiple devices. Do you know if that's out there somewhere? There is, I know there's definitely products that are available that have like multiple charging spaces, but not like one large mat that does multiple devices, I guess. So they'd probably have multiple cables coming out the back or something like that Mm. to charge each specific device. Like to give you an example, I know there's like a bunch of like these uh, nightstand devices that you can get that are, you know, really beautiful wood, whatever. And then you can put your Apple watch around some little peg that has a built in charger to it. And then you can lay your phone on the other half of it. So I'm sure there's probably multiple cables coming out of the back of that to charge both devices independently, right? But it's a different cut. It's not uh, like this where it's just one big coil that you can toss it on. Right. Yeah, big difference. So Um, the big thing I think here is like Apple, of course, in traditional Apple style can pretty much charge whatever premium it is that they want because people will buy it because it's Apple, right? This is how Apple operates with everything. Their laptops are great. Um, People buy them. Their products are, they, they are made very well. Uh, and people pay for the quality and the ease of use. The, but in this case, I don't think there's a really that much difference. So like, there's no com- clear ease of use benefit to the air power mat. Qi chargers that are out there do exactly the same thing. So personally, I don't know that I believe in their uh, reasons that they outlined here. I just feel like there isn't a market for that product, and I don't really feel like there ever was. I got to tell you something. This is uh, an idea that I've thought about before. Maybe we should jump on this before it... Um happens or maybe it's already out there but when it comes to the wireless charging i would love to see my monitor's base stand have built-in charging because i always throw my shit on the base of the monitor yeah on the on the foot if you will of the monitor yeah yeah makes a good sense if you're not mounting it up on a bracket or something and you're using the stand that comes with the product um, it's connected to the back of the monitor and there's usb a lot of times built into the monitor 
why not have a little key charging station? What do you call it? Chi? Chi. Yep. Little chi card it's, charging. It's QI, but it's pronounced chi. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be fucking slick, man. If we could have that. Uh, um, <laughs> did you see that? You son of a bitch. Um, Gomer, when we were talking about not having faces for <laughs> video. Is that what that's re- dedicated a, to? Okay. This is a picture of Chunk from... Uh, no. Sloth. Oh, uh, is it? From the Goonies, yeah. Oh, shit. I'm okay. I shouldn't speak to this. Maybe that beer is hitting me a little too soon. Well. It's really... that's. We should re-record that sound. That is a nice, crisp bear drinking, <laughs> bear cracking sound right there. So yeah, I think it, it's interesting that they decided to a make this product in the first place. I don't, I don't really know that there was ever really a great market for that. Um, but to your point, I think the the foot idea—that's a great idea. You should, you should patent that. Um, patent it, it and sell it to LG for a million dollars. It'd be even better if like the monitor itself could provide the power yes. to the foot, so you don't need an additional power supply. That's right. But yeah, that's a great idea. I'm sure it probably already exists. Somebody's already beat you to that. Somebody probably has. It could be a really easy thing. They're already charging 700 bucks for a curved monitor. They could just throw a little charger <laughs> in for 20 bucks. Only 700 bucks for your curved monitors because you have all the, the cool stuff. Kurt, yeah, well, you know, it's the price you pay. If you're, you know, they say you spend half your life in bed, you might as well have a comfortable mattress. Um, I spend half my life in front of a goddamn computer screen, so better look good. How's that uh, satchel bag going? That I don't use as much. <laughs> that was... Uh, <laughs> That was one expense that was maybe more on the frivolous end. But, uh, uh, you know, I'm not wearing a sport coat when I'm because tr- I'm not traveling up here every two weeks now looking like right. a business executive. So um, it's alive and well in my closet and uh, it's doing fine over there. And uh, it's got a laptop in it that's worth about twenty five hundred bucks, which I haven't used in about 18 months either. So All right. maybe that'll be a maybe that'll be a giveaway. Uh, Let me talk about some other frivolous purchases here. I oh, just came fuck. recently. I didn't know this was going to be the 30th episode roast over here, but <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> this isn't your frivolous purchase. I'm talking about my own. Oh, you bought some dumb shit. Okay, well, let's hear about this. I bought a Tesla, so we got to have some Tesla news in here. <laughs> you always jones and has got Tesla news on here. We're not even talking about news yet. <laughs> well, this isn't really news. Oh, okay. This is more just my my vehicle. I had an experience today with... Tesla mobile service, which was interesting. So they actually have these mobile vans. Yeah. That when you have service. Teslas? No, they're actually Fords. Oh, boy, that's tough. <laughs> so they have these uh, mobile service vehicles. So the, the problem that we've been dealing with is the app itself. You're supposed to be able to use the app on the phone to enter the car via Bluetooth. So as soon as you walk up to the car, the car should unlock, know who you are, that sort of thing, uh, allow you to start driving, no Will problem. Will it adjust your seat and shit like yes. that too? Mm-hmm. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. So that's never worked. From the time we bought the car, never worked. We can't get the, the actual app to pair with the with the car. Yeah. Um, so I had them out. That was the original intention to have the service appointment today. Um, so that ended up being just a technical glitch in their system. They need to make some modification on their server, whatever. Um, so they didn't fix it today. It'll be fixed over the next few days. But... The really cool thing that I was impressed with them by is that I, I kind of listed off a number of other particular issues that we've been having. So one really common issue with kind of the earlier models of the Model 3 is that the glove box, um, once you open it, it doesn't want to like relatch shut or it will like look like it latches, but then you'll be driving down the road and boop, it'll just pop open. Hmm, okay. And so I showed him that and he's like, oh yeah, we this is an early model, model problem. The springs that, that like pin the, the thing back 
you know, so that it doesn't open up. They're too weak, right? That was a that was a def- defect in the beginning uh, models. And he's like, no problem, we'll fix that. He's like, I'll order a part. We'll have it here in a week. We'll give you a call and we'll come out and replace it. Interesting. So he came out today really just to do an inspection visually. And then he's going to come back again later to actually do Yeah, exactly. Shit. So he took that. Uh, I was like, oh, I've also got this new problem. So in the Tesla, you know, you have this thing called the frunk. The front trunk. Yeah, exactly. The front trunk. So I was showing this recently to somebody. Um, and we don't use it very often. Actually, never. I don't think I've ever put anything in it. But I was showing this to a, a friend of ours recently, and I popped the, the frunk, and it pops. So you see it pop open just like you would the hood of a car. Uh, but what's supposed to happen is it's supposed to pop up, and then it's supposed to pop up slightly more. And that second one doesn't happen. And that second little pop-up is supposed to be another latch that releases it completely. So the first one is like if you were driving down the road and it popped up, the, it would prevent it from like just flying up in your face. Safety mechanism. Yeah. So apparently what happened is one of their software updates made the one of the motors like actuate just a tiny bit too much and it burned it out. Ooh. And they know about this, but they need to replace them. So he's going to replace that as well. So I guess the long story short here is that I was just really impressed with like he came out for one thing and like ended up fixing like three other things with with no problem and was just like, oh, yeah, no problem. And it's all under warranty, of course. So right. it's no charge to you additional to do all this yeah, stuff. Exactly. And like none of them are big deals. I don't, I, you know, I'm not worried that there's these defects, right? Like I know it's an early car. I get that there's going to be problems. So like none of these were like major glaring problems that were bothering me, but they were just like, oh, I guess I could tell him about this. And he's like, oh, yeah, we'll get a part. We'll fix it. No problem. Well, you originally were going to have this appointment, you thought, during the the live cast. And so originally the plan was, well, a couple of things. We were going to go to your place and do it you know, when the service was done, and then we decided not to do that, and you were going to dial in. Well, anyway, I was here setting up before you got here, and, and uh, someone came in, Bully came in, was asking me where you were at. He thought you weren't going to make it. And I said, oh, yeah, it's the mobile truck. You know, he's going over there. to. He's like, what, what's going on with the mobile truck? I said, yeah, he's probably going to change his oil or something. <laughs> and I, I thought about it and I was like, they don't change oil on Teslas. No. There's no oil on a fucking Tesla. There's really no annual maintenance aside from like rotating your tires. So will they do that too? Uh, that's a great question. Hmm. I don't know. That's probably an add on additional service. It's not really a, I see them being more of a repair type, a light repair maybe. Right. Yeah. You'd probably have to bring it into the shop for that. Yeah. And anybody could do that. I think probably. Sure. I should have brought more beer. I'm running out of beer. Oh man. Is there, can we have like a pause? Is there like a pause in the live cast? Um, I mean, we can put on like the background music that we had on earlier <laughs> or like another clip. We could put on like a three minute clip from some other episode that we did before. Or, or if we have some other Tesla news, I could just continue rambling here for a good I'm sure minutes. you have a catalog of yeah. news. Like yeah. you could just start reading articles that you Enough have time collected. for you to go get a couple beers. And I can go sprint upstairs and grab <laughs> another round. If we can fit that in, I'll go yeah. sprint out of here. I don't there know if that's going to happen or not. <laughs> I'll be better prepared next time. Um, very cool, man. Well, uh, that's nice. That's interesting to see how that works. I think that's another bonus of having Tesla, right, is that you just uh, don't have to bring everything in. You, have, you might have to wait six months to get your rear bumper fixed, but they will come out to your house to uh, take care of some other things. Well, hey, you win some, you lose some. You know, yeah. what are you going to do? That's he right. did mention something else that's really kind of interesting, that eventually what he envisions or sees coming down the pike he said this maybe is like six months down the road but he feels that in the next six months you'll be able to use the app take a picture of whatever problem you're having with the car send it in and they'll bring a mobile service truck to you 
with the parts already on the on board so that they can take care of whatever whatever the problem might be so that's that'd be pretty awesome he's that like would be basically it's like the uber of repair is kind of what they're thinking that would be very handy that would be another bonus of having that car because they probably see a lot of the same shit over and over again like the trunk latch that sort of thing and a photo would be enough or a little video clip more than enough to diagnose what's going on and it's another interesting point too like we've bragged or I've bragged recently on the show about like the software updates, making the car a different car kind of over time. Uh, this just shows an example of like, okay, that's great, but it also can cause problems, right? Like this motor got burned out as a result of a software update, which if it would have continued to run the same software, it wouldn't have been an issue. Yep. So interesting kind of dynamic, both directions, something that mostly hasn't had to be dealt, dealt with, uh, with most cars. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? Well, why don't we move on, huh? What do we got in the topics for today? I'm looking here. Oh, this is kind of fun. It's more of a grab bag today, it looks like. We got a lot of random stuff today. So I hope you're in the mood for just kind of everything. Yeah, and for a couple of you that are on right now, if you want to talk about something, uh, type it in the little podcast live. On the Slack. Yeah, or on Twitter, at CoffeeCodeCast.com. Oh, just at CoffeeCodeCast. <laughs> or dot .com, <laughs> wherever you feel like finding us. <laughs> wherever you'd like to text a message to nowhere, go there and do it. Uh, do you want to hit the first one here, or what? What do you think? Should we do that, or are we going to save that for another episode? Oh, well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about packing cubes. So my sister hit me up recently. Yeah. I uh, was asking if uh, for travel... Uh, if I used packing cubes. So if you're not familiar with these, seems like a r- relatively recent phenomenon. I've been doing this for years. Yeah. This is, um, by the way, this is going to parlay into our tech and travel episode come forthcoming here. I don't know, maybe in a couple weeks. But I think it was, a, I saw this and I thought it was a great topic because I do love the hell out of these things. And I'm a pretty minimalist packer too. I mean, I brought a backpack to Africa for two weeks. So I, it can be done. Uh, and if you're going to do it, this is the way to do it. And I think it would just be really cool to talk more generally about um, tech positions and tech work and travel. And um, I have a lot of uh, interesting ideas about that. And so we'll expand on the topic uh, soon. I like to travel. I love traveling. If I could travel for work, I would do that um, 100% of the time. In fact, I'm always... (laughs) Wouldn't we all? It's kind of a joke. It's kind of a joke around here now that when I'm pitching the old boss about needing to go out to Sacramento office or Denver office. He's like, Oh, you just want to get your fucking mileage run miles in Mike. Shut up and sit down. This is a slightly off topic, but you, you use the uh, Tinder, right? I do Bumble, not know. Bumble, some dating app, dating I, app. I have been on dating app. Yes. Yeah. Do you, how many, how many times do you get dating profiles and you're like, Oh, I don't have a job, but love to travel. Oh yeah. Right. Right. On your dime. <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. On your dime. Yeah. Would love to travel. Yeah. I'm sure I would. Well, too. Maybe if they had packing cubes, it would be a little cheaper for them. I don't know. Yeah, hey, you can travel with me if it's a carry-on only. If you got a check baggage, then uh, I'm gonna have to swipe left on there that one. There you go. Yeah. So packing cubes—they're pretty cool. So really, all they are is a compression kind of cube, I guess you might say. So you might take four of these, let's say, just for the interest of argument. Uh, you might put your pants in one. You might put your shirts in another. You might put your socks and underwear in another, and then maybe you have another one that's just kind of like your dirty your dirty one that you have for later or something. I don't know. You can use them for a lot of different options, but the, the advantage to them is one organization. And number two, I think 
compressing a lot of the stuff down to a smaller space in some cases. Some of them aren't that way, but some of them do help in that respect. There's a, there's a key to utilizing the packing cube, though, and if you don't do this, it doesn't matter what the hell you're using. It's just not going to be compressed enough. you got to use the old military rolling technique. The you rolling gotta, technique is good. you got to roll and compress. That is the optimization strategy. So, like, what you just described is a fuck ton of stuff. If you actually had one sleeve, like one bag for pants and one for shirts and whatever like that's a ton of stuff um typically what i'll do is if i'm going on a weekend trip like uh denver for the weekend my mom lives out there uh, i'll be there for three days or something like that i can use one compression bag for everything i'm bringing that whole weekend you have the really large square ones like the what one foot by one foot type of uh, almost. That's probably about right. It's probably like an eight by 10. It's like a little larger, maybe a little larger than a sheet of paper in right. terms of, um, you know, physical, like 2d dimension. And then it's got probably like a three inch depth to yes. it or something like that. I think I have a few of those as well. And I get them from e-bags. I would recommend e-bags. They're a great company. They have, uh, a, the pack that I use is called the weekender and they have a couple versions of that one. They've got one that you can just wear as a backpack. Um, uh, also you can, it has a, a convertible option too, where you can tuck in the, sl- the, straps for your back you can tuck them into a compartment and use it as a sling so if you want to kind of sling it over your shoulder they have a strap for that too they have a version on wheels if you want to have a wheeled version but i don't do the wheeled version because i can get a lot more in this bag and it fools all the flight attendants like they always think this thing it's the same cubic feet as a carry-on luggage a hard case um, but it looks smaller and so they always say, oh, yeah, you can throw this up top. No big deal. And I never get flagged for gate checking because it looks like it's small enough. It'll fit in the overhead compartment all the time. So I think it uh, needs to be stated, though, like you don't need, say, an e-bags backpack or or luggage device to use packing cubes. Like you could even use the e-bag packing cubes in any kind of luggage that you have. You could use it in any bag. Yeah, of course. I use it in my uh, Osprey backpack if I'm yep. just going for a weekend trip. I'll use throw one in there. And that's what I use as well. So... Um, you can almost think of it as a bag within a bag really is what it amounts to. That's what to. it is. Um, but, it, but the bigger thing is like organization. Cause like I can tell you like my wife, when she travels her, her suitcase, tell me about this. her suitcase is just like everything thrown into one big pile. Like stuff might not be folded. Stuff might not be organized by whatever. It's just kind of like in a big ass pile. And like for me, who's a very OCD type of person, like I like my stuff to, I need to know where my stuff is, right? I want to know where my pants are versus my this versus my that. So this helps me out a lot. Um, also, like I said earlier, like clean versus dirty. I usually bring like an extra one um, and I leave space in the bag for that. And I'll put my dirty stuff into that one so that as we travel from place to place to place, I know what's dirty. I know it's clean. Or uh, in some cases like you, if I'm trying to travel ultralight, you know, then I'll only have maybe one or two items in that bag because I only have a few items with me in general. Do you bring extra shoes? I try to bring maybe one pair of, maybe two pairs. It, it depends on the trip. Sometimes mm-hmm. flip-flops are like the second pair, which usually I'll just strap to the outside of the bag. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what I typically do is uh, the bulkiest shit. So if I'm going somewhere, mm, think of a good example. Let's say I'm going to Denver now. It's probably in the 60s, maybe. Maybe it's not. It could be worse there. I fucking know. But like I would bring my boots and my jeans, and my jacket, and I would just wear that all on the plane so I don't have to pack it. 
and then I would bring like the lighter shoe in the bag and roll everything else. So typically that means I can roll two or three t-shirts in one roll together. And that kind of comes to about three inches when you compress it or two pairs of jeans. So you could get two pairs of jeans in one roll or like, let's just do this. You could get a pair of jeans and two shirts in one roll, another pair of jeans and two shirts in another roll. And now you got four shirts, two jeans. I mean, fuck, that's enough for a long weekend. And you could put in your socks and underwear into a roll and a pair of shorts. That's interesting. I don't do it in that way. So I, I like that, but I don't do it in that way. I just do, I roll up the pants individually, one by one by one, which probably is a waste. But I do like this. Like you could almost almost coordinate an outfit. You could say like, oh, here's my first outfit. Yes. Roll it all together. That's what I do. I like that. And here's my other strategy. I, I get really, <laughs> I kind of get into the weeds with this shit, but I like it because I've, I've narrowed it down now. If I'm, let's just say that I'm going to be gone somewhere. I'm flying Thursday night and I come back Sunday night. Or Monday morning. Monday morning, sometimes I do that because it's cheaper, easier. I just go straight to work. Whatever I wear on the flight out is what I wear on the flight back. And so I automatically have two of the days covered just with what I've got on for the next day. So if I'm going to be gone Tuesday through Monday, the only th- or Thursday, so if I'm gone Thursday through Monday, then I only have to worry about Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in the bag. So... That's three days, and at that point, I just say, okay, whatever I'm doing, like three underwear, three socks, maybe four socks, if it's, depending on what the hell's going on, um, one pair of shoes, uh, additional, and then one or two jeans. You could do it with one if you want to be lean, if you're doing like a jean and a short or like two jeans and a short, and then a few shirts, undershirts, button-ups, boom, there you go. Yeah, so that's the advantages is that it just, it's, it's an organizing mechanism and it's a it's a compression mechanism um, and you can get these things anywhere you can get them like a, like he said from ebags.com i got mine from amazon christina got hers from amazon there's a million different sizes varieties colors shapes whatever and they're they're not even airtight right like they have met they're a mesh kind of bag and they maybe are closed on one side and open on the other kind of but it's just uh you zip it maybe halfway and you can just kind of stuff stuff in there which is important to clarify because in our recent trip to Greece, uh, I often tra- was traveling in between cities with things that were either like mildly damp or, or completely wet in some cases. So at least I could breathe some, um, which I think is important because uh, I do have a lot of the quick dry kind of uh, shirts and stuff like that, but they weren't fully dry by the time we were ready to move. So I did travel with a number of them in those bags and they, they came out smelling fresh. It was great. You're getting me all wound up on the subject. I haven't talked about this in a long time. Oh boy. <laughs> since we're, since we're over on this uh, packing cube subject, I just got it. This is an opportunity to talk about my favorite fucking textile to wear, which is wool. Oh, here we go. Merino wool. Merino wool, dude. Fucking Merino wool and travel go hand in hand. They're like best friends, dude. Well, is Merino wool the same thing? Does smart wool use Merino wool? They have a blend. They do. I don't know. They might have like 100% merino wool, but a lot of times it's like wool with poly or sometimes wool with spandex or some combination. But um, I recommend a sponsor I'd like to have on the show that I don't have yet, but I'd li- I recommend uh, Wool and Prince, P-R-I-N-C-E. Wool. How do you, what's the? Wool and spelled out W-O-O-L-A-N-D-P-R-I-N-C-E.com. Prince. Okay. I thought you were talking like Prince, like as in uh, Prince, like photos. No, not Prince, but like Prince, like uh, Your Majesty or whatever the fuck. I don't know what you say. Got it. Woolandprince.com. And um, they have 
all kinds of uh, men's and women's apparel. They have button-up shirts, and they have pants and blazers. But I really like their their best products, in my opinion, are their um, underwear and T-shirts. And they're made of a composition of like 70. The T-shirts are 78% merino wool, and I think they have some polyester and some spandex. Got to look at the composition again. I forgot. But it's like majority merino wool. They're fucking crisp. They look fantastic. And you can roll them up and they don't get wrinkled in your luggage. And most people would think it looks like cotton. Nobody would be like, oh, what is this weird texture? It looks like cotton. It's very fine. Is this in the... looks to me like this is in the realm of premium products. It would be a premium product. However, um, I wouldn't let... I wouldn't pass up on the opportunity to own one or two. You're not going to... It's not a cheap shirt. It's a $68 t-shirt, which is fucking insane. A lot of people would say, why do you pay $70 for a fucking t-shirt? Well, if I have two of those on a trip, I don't have to wash them. I could wear, they actually have a challenge going on right now where they want people to wear one for a week. Um, and I've, I've worn them for several days. I was on safari and I had one, I had two shirts that I brought and I rotated them for the five day safari. And at the end of the safari with the dust and everything else, like there was no odor on the, on the uh, armpits at all. Not only that, but are, are these in the same kind of realm? Whereas like, even if you do need to wash them, they probably dry pretty quickly. Or is that not the case with this stuff? That's right. Wool wicks water. And it's a great, um, I mean, that's, it's what you want to wear if you're going to be in the rugged, right. And out in the outdoors or camping or anything like that. And so what I would do there in that case is like whatever uh, place we would be on our base camp, uh, on, you know, in the desert or whatever in the, in the jungle where the fuck we were, <laughs> um, we, when we got back to camp, if I had to clean it out, I would just put it in the sink and I would use a bar soap and uh, scrub the areas and wring it out and then just let it air dry. And the thing would be overnight, it would be dry. That's what I do when I, when I travel, I definitely bring like a little, it's an itty bitty little bar and I was trying to look it up real quickly. I can't find it at the moment, but uh, it's just a little itty bitty bar. That's probably something like that. What, what would that be? Three inches uh, square, something like that. And oh, yeah, even smaller, more of a cube, uh, smaller than like a hotel bar. So yeah, it's smaller yet. It's a little thicker, but smaller. And then yeah, bring that. You kind of lather it up, put your stuff in the sink, wash it up real quick. Yeah, freshens it up, uh, gets rid of some of the stink, and uh, it's usually dry by the morning. So it's a it's a great way to travel. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you can travel with literally hardly anything. Hardly anything. And they make and so Wool and prints makes um, boxer briefs and they make underwear that does this. That has the same the same uh, combination of uh, material, and so, yeah, for a long trip, you could have, you know, if you wanted to be really lean, you could have three, three pair for a week, and just kind of rotate and clean and hang dry and do that whole thing. If you don't want to clean them every day, if you need to have a little bit more, then adjust for that. But, but really, you could have a couple shirts, a couple pair of underwear, and and be covered, and and be clean and fresh. It's a great product. It's a great product. I can't say enough about it. I've been doing that now for probably three years, and I just ordered some stuff this week, but it's fantastic for, for travel. Yeah, I think to the point of like it being premium product too, like it, it is an expensive investment up front, no doubt about it. Um, but I think once you've, once you've bought in and that's kind of what you travel with, it, it, you know, it pays for itself over time and, and the ease of use uh, once you have all that. Because I have I have the same thing. I have kind of like two pairs of pants that I wear for travel and I have about three shirts that I may or may not bring. And usually those are kind of the main things plus socks and underwear that I bring, but those are really kind of all I I bring with. And actually the most, uh, kind of bulky thing that I bring is a shitload of camera gear, which I think next time I travel, I'm going to limit that as well and try and scope down what I have. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think uh, it's worth considering because 
these are versatile pieces that you can do a lot with. So, um, again, just to have the flexibility to wear the T-shirt or use it as an undershirt for a formal event and have a button-up, they look very crisp. They don't wrinkle, so if you pull them out of the bag, it's not like a cotton shirt where you have to iron it or press it to get it fresh. You just wear it, and naturally the wrinkles come out. If there's anything, any mild wrinkles, they come out just with your body heat. It's pretty cool stuff. So on the the soap thing, I'll show you here quickly. That's kind of the, it's called the Laundress. It's a little itty bitty soap bar. It's, it's uh, showing it in this case, like right next to it, like a bikini for scale size, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it's super small, super, super good. And then usually what I'll end up doing too is I'll actually not even bring it home. I'll just leave it wherever my last destination is. Something else I don't have to pack, don't have to deal with. Um, toss it out, get a new one. So it's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. I'll add that to the show notes uh, with a link if you're interested uh, you can get it from Amazon, no problem. Well, we kind of did a lot of the the travel episode already. I got really excited about <laughs> that stuff because I just can't get enough of it. And I, with all the travel that I've been doing, I'm a I'm a you know Alaska Gold this year. Um, well, almost halfway to status on Delta, so I might be a double. It might be a double Hold on. this year. Wait a minute, slow down. How did you get status on Delta here? This well, is, I don't. This I is do a not, new development. I do not have it yet, but I've been taking some trips uh, that have not been. I've been cheating on Alaska a little bit this year. Because um, I have a friend of mine, a good friend of mine that I've been traveling with a little bit that he has, uh, he's all in on Delta and he's got status on Delta. And so we both like the lounges. You know, I've got an Alaska lounge pass. Well, you're a, you're, you're a fan of baller status. So yeah. you got to. Baller status kind of supersedes like the airline. I like the airline, but baller status has to come first, man. And I was in the Delta lounge at SeaTac a couple months ago. And I got to tell you, it was pretty baller. Well, let me tell you, if you ever, uh, if you're, if you're on board with Delta, I have this card. And so if I refer a friend, I get a lot of miles. So make sure that, uh, Oh, I've gotten the sales pitch already from Patrick about, no, times. no, 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 no. Let me, let me, <laughs> you're coming this way, sir. All right. I didn't say I had made the decision right now. They're offering like 80,000 bonus miles. If yeah. you're doing. There you go. See um, what's, what's stopping you. I don't know. It would be kind of fun this year to see if I could hit double status. Delta Alaska would be, uh, be kind of fun. Gotta have goals, man. <laughs> <laughs> somebody got to have a goal in life. And if you don't have clarity, just do something fucking fun. And then, you know, the clarity will come later or it won't. And you'll just spend a ton of money on air travel like I do. But uh, we'll see. We'll see about that. Yeah. Well, let's move on, shall we? Yeah. What do you want to talk about next? Uh, in the random episode here. Well, we're going to be really random. I mean, we've made it. We've made it three quarters of the way through the show and only talked about travel at this point. Good Lord. Oh, it is the travel episode. A little prematurely here. So maybe maybe move on to uh, a little return segment. Oh. Oh. Whoa. What happened there? I thought we muted the. um, Oh, that came in on the laptop. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) Do not disturb. I need to set up. Do not disturb. Yeah. I'm sorry. There's all kinds of shit going off. Yeah, so we've had a reoccurring segment uh, over the over the thirty episodes. Uh huh. Of uh, what are you watching? What are you watching? Is there a soundbite for that? That's nope. not it. There you go. What are you watching? What else is on here? What are you What are you watching? <laughs> I like that. Okay, that's fine. I forgot what we had on those other pads over there. Um, I don't. I'm not going to be able to go deep on this because I haven't. I've been watching a lot of smut lately. <laughs> okay. I'm not talking about corn nub or nothing like that. Oh. I'm talking about just like junk TV fucking bullshit. You know, I've been working uh, a little bit and uh, 
doing some contract work a bit. I've, I've been doing a lot of work. And so when I'm done working, I don't want to work anymore. I want to go home and just mindless shit. But you watch a lot of YouTube. I do watch a lot of YouTube. It's kind of funny, man. I'll start with that. That's fine. And um, I don't know where this stuff, their algorithm takes me to really interesting places. I don't know how this stuff happens sometimes. So you just kind of follow wherever it takes you, you go. Well, I'm a little bored of it right now because I've gone through a ton of different shit. And it, yeah, sometimes it's current events type stuff and news, but then other times you get into it and it's random fucking crap. Like the probably the last couple of weeks, I've probably seen over 40 videos of chiropractors cracking backs. <laughs> Not Dr. Pimple Popper. No, I haven't gotten that in the feed yet. I don't want to watch that. Hopefully that doesn't show up. But no, like there's this there's this um, chiropractor that's down in Houston. And uh, what does he call this thing? A ring dinger. That's what he's known for is doing the ring dinger. And like he basically just like looks like he's going to dislocate every joint in your fucking body. But he's like got a towel around your neck and he's like popping your popping your neck and twisting. It's crazy, man. So I've, I've been watching this kind of shit just to kill the time because there's like a million and a half views. And it's like, oh, yeah, you know, like person who couldn't walk like walks again after leaving the chiropractor's office. So what, like, do they just have, like, crazy mics right up next to their yes. back so you can just hear these, like, ridiculous cracking sounds? Like, what? what like, what is the... <laughs> well, are you familiar with ASMR? Yes. So it's it kind of delves into that a little bit, um, which is a whole other interesting topic that we could probably cover in more depth. I don't know what it stands for. It's got to have... It's an acronym, I think. But... Um, but the principle is this. It's about capturing very, like, we could do some ASMR shit in here probably if we had, like, little sound effects and, like, ooh, you, like, blow into the microphone and do weird shit and, like. But Usually it's, like, a constant noise of some kind, and it, it may vary, but it may not, right? Like, it's, a, it's just a constant sound in the background. It is, a, it is the constant sound, and I think that there are people that perform this. Like, there are people that have their own channel dedicated to ASMR and they'll do it for like nighttime sleeping or whatever it is or different, different topics, but it's all about soft sounds and really creating a, a very comfortable space. It's almost like therapy for your ear, like air therapy. I don't yes. Know. Yep. It's huge. And there's even like a, pl- a playlist on Spotify that are dedicated to just that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's blowing up. It's a huge thing that I just came into. Thank you, Gomer. Uh, autonomous. Sensory Meridian Response, ASMR. And so like these chiros, the chiropractors, some of that kind of enters into that space a little bit because they do have these high-performing microphones kind of like we have or high, very high-sensitivity microphones, and they'll have them right next to the patient in a quiet room, and then they'll crack their back, and all of a sudden it'll be like, whatever it is. You know, like I can't make the sound, but it's just like you just hear the whole spine just realign, boom. And it's kind of a crazy little experience. I don't think I'd like that. I don't know it's that that like would Dr. be my pimple popper. I don't, you know, like, yeah. look, like I, I go to the chiropractor a couple times a week and like I hear it on my own self. Like, I don't know that I need to hear that, especially yeah. in like, you know, these I'm sure are non-standard back cracking or whatever that is that they're doing. Right. Like, I don't need to hear that constantly. Like, yeah. It's like, I don't know, like these things seem to be like pleasure pain type of things for people like, yes, I, I don't know if I get it, but well, anyway, I got one that showed up at one point and I was just like sitting at home bored off my mind or I just like was, it was on roll and it was just playing all this shit and all of a sudden this comes on. And so now I've been watching a bunch of these things where this guy had like severe, you know, uh, curved spine and 
is walking straight. Yeah, it's just interesting stuff. Inundated with those types of clips now, I'm sure. Yeah, like, it's a it's waste like, oh, time. you must like these. We'll yeah, send so you 800 now, of them. Yeah, now I've got 800 of them. Uh, along along those lines, like somehow somebody posted something. I was watching something about cars, like where these these car mechanics would go into like you know rural Iowa and they'd roll up on some farm and find like some sixty seven Mustang that had been sitting there since like nineteen seventy seven, and they'd pull it out of the weeds and shit and like restore it and get it running again. So I kind of got into that for a little bit. And off of that, there was some detailing videos that started showing up. And so now I got, I'm in a day with all these fucking car detailing videos. And they've got <laughs> cars where, like, you know, rats have been living in the back seat for 40 years. And they go in with, like, all these chemicals and equipment. And it looks like it just rolled off the lot. What? Is there any point at that point? Like, it looks like it rolls. How? It, it's crazy, man. They're like, replacing everything. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's kind of an extreme. But they definitely have stuff where you've got, like, cars that are trashed and full of mud and dirt and spiders and stuff. And then they like, they managed to underneath is like a beautiful upholstery that just hasn't been exposed in 20 years. Hmm. All right. I don't know why you asked this question. Cause I'm giving you the honest truth and it's all a bunch <laughs> of shit. I don't have anything good to report. I haven't been watching any documentaries on saving the whales or securing our border or whatever the fuck, you know, it's been all this kind of weird stuff. All right. Well, I have at least a, a little saving grace to this segment here. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for outing me in front of uh, out out in the open here. So, actually, kind of in the interest of you know the travel episode here, uh, for some reason I got the attention was given to me on Netflix here to this uh, documentary, I guess you would call it, and it's called "The Disappearance of Madeline McCann," which is actually um, it's it's a news story or I guess a real life event that happened kind of I think in the mid nineties, uh, and it's really about a young girl. Madeline McCann is the young girl's name, and it's a missing persons story. So she, they were traveling um, in the Algarve region of Portugal. Okay, um, it was a couple a UK couple, and they're traveling in that area with a big group of friends of theirs, and they had rented uh, in this area a nice uh, condo or whatever you want to say, some apartment. Um, and during the course of their their travel and their stay there, their, one of the couple's little girls was abducted. Um, and this just basically documents the entire timeline of, of what occurred. And so what had happened is they basically were kind of at a tapas bar that had a, like eyesight view of the apartment in some way. And so they don't know how exactly the child was taken or when or how. Um, but anyway, it was taken. And so basically like it goes through a whole, uh, series of questions, like from this guy that ends up kind of like being overly helpful during kind of like some of the investigations. So like he becomes a suspect, the parents, of course, at some point become a suspect, this guy that works with the guy that's being overly helpful becomes a suspect. So it's kind of like a whodunit. Like it just kind of continues and goes on and on and on. You never when know. When was this? Mid nineties. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's an old story. Never the the child's never been found. Um, this is almost like the time of like John Bonet. It's a whole different story. That was a big. I thing. think they even maybe reference that if I'm not mistaken. Uh, kind of like child abduction cases at some point in the documentary. So I think she's even mentioned. But it was really interesting, and and um, <laughs> it sounds kind of horrible um, from the concept of travel, but that area is freaking beautiful. Like the Portugal. Yeah. And especially this Algarve region, which is supposed to be kind of the beachy, resorty area of Portugal. It's kind of on the southern edge. Um, so really interesting documentary, really fascinating to, to, to watch and, and learn the story of this 
poor girl who I think affect ultimately, um, spoiler alert, if you're watching this, um, she, they think at this point that she was probably sold into slavery or something oh, like so that, right? Because um, they've never found her, never found remains, never found anything. So, wow. Um, on the Netflix, we watch a lot of kind of murder mysteries, and uh, yeah, so that's why it was probably recommended to me. But really, really interesting. I highly recommend it. Uh, I think it's about an eight or nine parter, uh, so it's pretty in depth, but pretty interesting. Also, it, it kind of goes into corruption as well. So, like, they feel like the Portugal, can't remember what they call their police units but they feel like the the leader of that was maybe a little bit corrupt uh so the investigation maybe wasn't done as well as it should have been and so it kind of dives into a lot of different angles of the case and talks about like people that are profiting from it and you know all kinds of stuff it was really interesting i like those those types of documentaries uh, especially the multi-parters they really dive deep i probably talked about it on the show a little bit but it was a year a year and a half ago when that oj five-parter came out on espn's 30 for 30 yeah, I love 30 for 30. Those are great. Um, they do a phenomenal job on everything that they produce, but uh, this one in particular really stuck out to me. Um, it was very good. The one on Junior Seau also was a good one. Talking With the about CTE. CTE and, and really that him, his experience really, um, really opened that dialogue up because before that time, there, there wasn't a lot of talk about that. It was kind of hush-hush, and people didn't really understand the effects of uh, – you know, concussions on, on football players at the time. They were right. still pretty much in denial about it, and, and it wasn't really well well understood. Yeah. And the recent one of those, if we want to continue down the 30-30, the Ric Flair 30 for 30. You know, I, as a kid, I was a big wrestling fan, so, like, I grew up watching Ric Flair, and I thought he was really fun to watch and really, you know, very talented and all that kind of thing. And so watching that one was really, really fascinating as well, kind of watching him uh, and, what, and what wrestling means to him. Like, that's, like, his life. Right. You've mentioned this before, and I still have I've yet to see it, so it has to go on my list. I need to watch that one too. That would be um, very interesting to see. On on a more on a, on a sadder note, a more disturbing note, kind of along the lines of what you just talked about. I did watch uh, Neverland, the Neverland um, documentary on oh, HBO. Oh, Michael Jackson. Yeah, Finding Neverland. It's a two parter. Um, it's on HBO. And we don't have a whole lot of time to talk about it. I wish we had more time, but uh, it was it was disturbing. I mean, I I was always a huge MJ fan growing up, and I remember the allegations in the '90s and Macaulay Culkin when uh you know testified that Michael had never done anything to him. And I think to this day, Macaulay is still a close family friend. I think Paris was in the hospital for something recently, and he was there to support her and. But it talks about these two. It really the stories around these two characters, not fucking characters. There's these two these two guys are the two key guys that are on the documentary that are being interviewed, and they were both uh, introduced to Michael uh, at a very young age, like six seven years old. One was in Australia, the other one was in U.S. and uh, and it, it kind of like goes through their whole experience with him, and very eye opening, very graphic, very um, disturbing. It's very sad, and you can see like just the the trauma that they still face today as parents. I think that was the hardest part is they're both in their thirties now and they have children of their own that are coming of age when they were introduced to Michael and um, just to see the, the uh, hurt that they have. And like, this is a trauma that never really goes away, you know? Um, yeah. And I wasn't really familiar with child uh, abuse of that type 
before. And so just to kind of understand it a little better too, it was very informational and, and eye opening, like I said. So we have the R. Kelly documentary on, on our Plex server. We haven't do- dove into it yet. So it's kind of interesting that you bring this up because similar circumstances or accusations. Um, so I'm curious a little bit, not, not necessarily the content of those uh, documentaries, because I think they kind of speak for themselves, but are you able to kind of divorce who you know the person is versus who the artist is? In other words, can you take and set aside that Michael Jackson maybe allegedly was a pedophile and say like, but his work over here is still phenomenal and still listen to it and still support it? Is like, is there, can you make that mm. distinction in your head? Whereas a lot of people can't separate those two, but some people can. So I'm curious as to like how your mind aligns on that. Well, I can say, I can say that he was talented. I don't think that that you can separate his ability musically from his, how he conducted himself personally. I think that's easier for me to do um, because I, he was, I mean, he was an art, a brilliant artist and just by, by sheer numbers and volume and I mean everything like what he did to pop like is, is undeniable even though he had committed these horrific crimes on children. Um, I guess the difference now is that he's dead. So I'm not listening to his music on Spotify today. I'm not tuning into his stuff. I'm not buying his things, but I think. Is I think it, it an active choice though, because of the documentary that you've seen? Well, at this point, I think that money, like there's lawsuits to give these victims money from the estate. And, and of course his children are probably entitled to money from the estate. And so I feel like for those reasons, I would want to support his children and support these victims. So, I mean, I'm less opposed to a boycott there. If Michael was alive and profiting from shit, then I would absolutely say no boycott. Don't, don't participate. It's not okay. Don't buy and support him. Um, so I don't know. I'm not an active participant. Um, I'm not purchasing his stuff now, but I think it'd be easier to boycott if he was and was still alive. I think that's an interesting distinction. I had this. The reason I brought this up is I had this conversation with Christina recently, uh, to where you know, again, to your point, Michael Jackson is obviously like a reason why much of the pop genre exists. Like he is obviously the king of pop. Like he's crazy stratosphere, right? Um, so yeah, can you separate him from his, or can you separate his work, I guess, from uh, him as a person? And, and I think the interesting thing that you mentioned and that you brought up is that I think there is a weird distinction where like in death, like suddenly maybe there's like a weird line there that suddenly maybe it's a little bit more okay. Whereas like if you listen to R. Kelly music, it's a different scenario, right? Like now suddenly you're kind of supporting him. He's a living he's a living person and you're supporting, you're giving him money. That would be the line for me. I would do nothing to support that individual. And I would say the same thing for Michael. If he was still alive, I would do everything I could to make sure he did not get financial support from me. Whereas like others, you know, um, I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird thing, but I've heard other people talk about like, well, if you're going to listen to R Kelly music, at least then donate to something that supports people that are abused in this way, right? Like to kind of negate what you've done basically by giving this person money. So Mm -hmm. it's an interesting concept and I have a hard time with that personally. Yeah. It's just, I guess that's people's way of wiping their slate clean. If that's, if they want to 
still work with the artist versus the actual human being, right? Interesting. Yeah. It's a hard question. Like it's, there's definitely like a, it's a hard, it's not, there's no simple answer here, right? That's so, right. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. I don't know. I don't know. It's great conversation though. I, I, I love that you brought that up and uh, we missed a ton of things that we were supposed to talk about today. So I don't know. <laughs> Uh, well, we, we uh, treat ourselves to this 30th episode. I guess we'll get back on track next week, huh? Yeah, I guess so. Well, let me uh, roll through the old spiel here, right? Want to bring us home? Yeah, buddy. So uh, we're recorded here live in Seattle, Washington, every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Standard Time. Join us at www.coffeecodecast.com live. Our artwork is provided by Yerne. The Gentle Giant. So check out his amazing illustrations at www.coffeecodecast.com slash gentle giant. If you have an idea or want to rap with us during the show, you can hit us up on our Slack channel or at on Twitter at coffeecodecast. Uh, we are also available via the good old email at coffeecodecast at gmail.com. Uh, the podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. And uh, more episodes... And everything else you heard here is available at www.coffeecodecast.com. So thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next week. To the next 30.